0: today's episode.
1: I would definitely be using as little and as cheap as possible at that T1 timing in, in spring barley, which is really very much about insurance. It's it's not going to be hugely responsive.
2: I would say to all growers, know your crops. Get out amongst it, get your wellies on and see what's going on in the crop.
0: Welcome to Cropcast. I'm Tiffany McTaggart and today, once again, we're joined by Fiona Burnett adam christie i'm very excited to be talking to them today about spray programs for winter barley and spring barley what are the main diseases we're looking to manage in winter barley adam
2: Um, yeah tell me what the season's going to be and i'll tell you what public enemy number one if it's a wet season rynchosporium net blotch If it's a dry year or a broken year, Ramularia can be a massive yield robber. Uh, Increasingly, we are seeing more and more brown rust, particularly late season. Uh, Eye spot needs watching as well. And some of the varieties that we're growing at the moment, mildew can be a bit of an issue as well. So yeah, happy days. No problems in winter barley. (laughs) I mean, the, the good thing is in winter barley, we have a, a pretty good raft of varieties at the moment and that raft of varieties renews itself fairly regularly. Uh, and we also have a, a chemistry suite that's largely retrain, retained its efficacy, which is, you know, we are not in the same situation as we are in wheat. Uh, there, there is a lot more we can do with chemistry with variety choice and the you know the yield potential of winter barley is not to be underestimated at all.
0: Fiona do you have anything to add?
1: I can't remember if you mentioned net blotch in that very long list Adam. <laughs> I
2: did I, I gave it a literally I think I think. Yeah. I think
1: anyway, you did as well. <laughs> but yeah it's you know as ever we're aiming at quite a lot there probably the sort of wrinkle remains the the most consistent yield robber so that Kind of gives you a clue as to how you form your programs, um, but yeah, as Adam said, we've actually got a, quite a choice of different families of chemistry for barley, um, so we've quite a lot to work with on the on the winter barleys.
2: The good thing is that uh, we've seen a major slide with prothioconazole and in proline in wheat but it's still retaining its efficacy in barley. And the good news is it actually tackles an awful lot of these potential diseases. It, it covers a an awful lot of bases in that one product. And certainly from our point of view, it's still very much at the heart of a barley
0: programme. Fiona, what are the different options for chemistry for
1: barley? So, you know, as Adam said there, prothioconazole, that azole core, is still very effective against quite a range of our barley diseases but we've got STHIs and crucially the QOIs, the stabilurins, are still really effective against um, rincosporium so we already said that's one of our main targets so that just brings that extra chunky bit of chemistry um, in there. And we've still got actives um, like Ciprodinol, which, you know, we can talk a little bit about, you know, t notes. but there is the option to actually start on a completely different palette of, of chemistry in the event that you need a T-naught in barley.
0: So Adam, when would you look to be putting on a note in barley?
2: Uh, onset of spring regrowth. I mean, ideally you're want to, wanting to catch that new leaf, so... Really, I mean, some guys will go in February, the end of February, but it's often the first few weeks in March is it's when you're needing to get to hit that crop just as it's beginning to kick into life in the spring. I mean, one of the things that you've got to be quite careful on are the practicalities of it. Is often at that time of year the weather's not is most conducive to spraying. You know, either travelling conditions or night frost. So. It, it's often the case it's not when you want to put the T zero on, it's when you actually physically can put it on. I mean, the the good thing is there is a raft of uh, cleaner winter barleys that have come along in the last few years, you know, not not just hybrid varieties but conventional varieties as well, where you know, in our trials we're certainly finding it very difficult to justify that say t0 inclusion because we're not actually seeing a massive amount of benefit from it
1: Mm -hmm. so much like the wheat it should only be as and when you really need it so in response to seeing problems and often it's quite windy around that t1 timing in winter barley as well so that we get delayed with our sprays for that reason but again you can only really be wise about that in hindsight so it's yeah
0: so 41 what sort of program are you looking at then
1: so for me that's the most responsive timing still in winter barley so that's you know where you would tend to be using your best available chemistry um again i think it's interesting today we've both majored on the kind of pre pre-formulated mixes that bring you that balance of chemistry so you know any of the prothioconazole, the Siltra, Ascra type mixes, but Revastar is good uh, on the on the winter barleys as well. And we tend to be working at lower doses in barley than we are in wheat. So if you have, I always steer away from a dose debate because that should be the decision you make based on what you're faced with on the field. But if we're starting at a kind of half rate as being the opening pitch, um, that idea that whatever you're doing is a balanced mix of that good chemistry on your winter barley crop because that's like I say the most responsive timing and if you get it wrong we know that you lose side tillers and you lose ultimate yield potential in the barley crop so it's all about hanging on to as many potential green sites as possible at this timing. The T2 you're then trying to protect what you've created at that timing Um, but we'll get on to that as you take us through.
2: The uh, It's an interesting point you raised Fiona about pre-formulated mixes because one of the issues we see is the heat that's potentially in the tank at T1, uh, the more products you put in the more chance you have of reaction between products of antagonism, at T1 potentially you're looking at two growth regulators and they are probably a hung- fungicide possibly a trace element, there's four products. If you then go to add in another two or three fungicides in there, there's an awful lot of potential antagonisms and things that can go wrong and there's an awful lot of heat that you can generate which will not do you any favours. And if you damage green leaf, that's an immediate entry for disease to come in. So some years, the best option is to take heat out. And I mean... We've actually, we, we start from a building block of Prithio plus falpit. You know, if we have a clean crop in a clean variety, that's where we'll start. I, as an organisation, we're probably past the stage of looking at uh, Siltra at that timing now, and we would go to either Alatus or Askra. You know, I, I think you get more bangs for your buck. But a lot of this is tied into where you're going to go with your T2. You'll notice I haven't mentioned Revistar because where Revistar really puts its hand up in barley at the moment is it's the best product we've got in Ramularia. You know, we we had a brilliant set of Ramularia trials two years ago, and we were able to absolutely categorise the different responses. Uh, from these products and the the revistar was the leader of the pack at the moment of what is available and we would probably keep it in the locker as a t2 option but again it comes down to trying to forecast is it going to be a a year or is it not you know and the the, the t2 unfortunately at the moment we we feel there's a bit of a choice there between the lattice in one hand, which we feel is a superior product on brown rust and rincosporium, or a uh, Revistar, which is head and shoulders above Ramularian. There's a little bit of a, an element of you've got to roll the dice and you know decide which is going to be your, your biggest challenge that year.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I suppose the key point there is you try and avoid using the same thing twice. Um, And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, ramularia has always been a problem when it comes to breaking new chemistry. Um, So the better news is that prothioconazole, that we were so worried about its um, control for ramularia, it still retains some efficacy. So it has a place but yeah, for the very high risk scenarios, which might actually tend to be in the spring crop, um, we would certainly be moving on to the, the Revistar, where it's the methen trifluconazole, that new azole that's more effective against ramularia compared to the prothioconazole. So yeah, it, it's a tricky position. And again, the kind of argument for full pit um, is really interesting. So full pit, is a little bit strange in that it seems to be effective in adding to the disease control when used in programmes with other chemistry, although on its own, um, the control and the yield benefits are more erratic. Um, So again, in a very high risk gramularia situation, which again might tend to be the spring crops, it might be one to, to add in.
2: Fiona, in your defence, for years you told me that uh, prithiocortisol had good activity on ramularia, and I argued with you on that subject, and two years ago we saw it plain as day that yes, Prithio was still bringing something to the party on ramularia, and I don't disagree with that, and if you add falpit into it, you actually get to a level of acceptable control. You get better control if you step up to Revistar, but there is a step up in the price point that 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 treatment's going to cost you.
1: Yeah, so again, it comes to being smart. I mean, it's tricky to predict ramularia risk, but again, that idea that if you've got very high potential crops that are going to a quality market, so again, we'd probably be talking about spring crops here, you know, the idea that you really protect them and there might be others that you can afford to be a bit more general on um, where a profile full pit mix might be all that's needed at a t2 timing
2: i mean the one comment i would make is and you know for a number of years rincosporium has been noticeable by its absence (laughs) i get the feeling that is changing over the last couple of years we've definitely been picking up more rinco uh certainly on our north sites but our five sites were showing a lot more wrinkle last year than we've seen for a few years it, mm-hmm. it certainly needs monitoring but i mean our, our principle is try and deal with the wrinkle at t1 take it out the equation then that gives you the option if you so choose to to chase and protect against ramularia at t2
1: yeah no it's an important point there we have kind of obsessing about ramularia t2 here that we're not going to forget about those other diseases. And ramellaria is very triggered by stress. And of course, the other diseases are a stress on the crop. So that idea, we know the STHI chemistry will be pretty ineffective against ramellaria specifically because of resistance issues. But still using it there is maybe helpful where you have other problems bubbling away and you're still trying to keep a lid on net blotch or RINCO or some of the other major foliar issues. So yeah, Many many things to keep an eye on,
2: but at least there's choice in barley. That's that's the difference between We, we have a you know a raft because we we haven't really talked about the strobes and uh, you know the SDHI still still have a role to play in barley, and it it does give us give give us options. It's just we don't need to use them at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It definitely sounds like there's much more option for the barley. When would you think about using a T3 timing in winter barley?
1: Well, I wouldn't, would be my very short answer. <laughs> um, Very intermittently, you'll see a yield response to a T3, but we've really done a lot of trials at SRUC on this, and it's vanishingly rare to get a response from a T3. And again, with an eye on the final um. Harvest intervals on products or last application timings, you run diminishing returns on what you can use anyway. So, yeah, my answer would be, I I wouldn't do it.
2: You 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 Fiona's are exactly the same as us. I would assume you will have some gr- growers who are absolutely convinced of the benefits of a T three in winter barley and will not be persuaded not to do it. Sorry, that's a d- double negative. Dreadful English. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they, that that's the grower's prerogative. We, for a good number of years, have included a T3 in our program's trials to try and isolate that yield and repeat that yield benefit. We have on occasion. You know, I would be lying if I said we never saw it, but it is the exception rather than the rule, which I think very much reflects what you were saying there, Fiona.
1: Yeah. It it happens, but it's like I say, you know, I, I, I appreciate the concern where, you know, we're treating our T twos are going on to Barley's, you know, mid year emergence at the latest. Um and then it's a long, long time um where they're getting absolutely nothing. Um but yeah, I think it's a question of just gritting your teeth and maybe not looking. <laughs>
0: That's fair enough. So would we be able just to do a really quick, short summary of winter barley again? Adam, do you want to start with the T-naught?
2: T-naught, do nothing or a low rate uh, of prothio, possibly with a strobin. But it it's a difficult one and Fiona will hate me saying this, but it's very difficult to get something meaningful to go in with that and I'm not particularly supportive of isolating a product so my my advice would be grow a variety that you don't need a t0
1: so then i'm starting fresh with a summary for t1 um, where that's your most responsive timing so i'd be on again probably a prothioconazole sdhi balanced mix um possibly with full pit but really just relying on that balanced mix of my azole sdhi chemistry
2: and then T, t2 Definitely fall put in the tank and then either, you know, cheap and cheerful, a bit of Prithio in with it. Or if you want to bring out the big guns, either the likes of Elatis, Ascra or Revistar. And Revistar being prime candidate if uh, Ramy Lady is your biggest worry.
0: That was a great summary. Thank you. Um, So if we move on to spring barley, I know a lot of the factors are very similar to those of winter barley, but I think we should start off with eye spot in spring barley. As you mentioned, you're seeing a difference in the way that it's acting. Fiona, do you want to begin?
1: Yeah, that's a strange one. And I don't think I'm suggesting that people kind of have to factor this in strongly to their fungicide programs yet but it's just an observation that at the end of the season where people are then complaining about poor grain fill and we're looking at these crops we're seeing quite a lot of eye spot Um, and sometimes there's reasons for that you know where they haven't used a t1 um but it is hard to explain so i'm kind of reluctant to fan the flames of a huge problem here Um, but i do think it's one we need to keep an eye on Um, and again, I think, you know, broadly, we're still on very much a prothioconazole theme through our spring barley programmes, um, which should be doing something for iSpot. So, yeah, I'm really not sure how we manage that other than just keeping an eye on it, Tiffany.
2: I mean, there there has been a recent move in spring barleys to not put a fungicide on at T1, and potentially, we've been, get, been getting incidental control on eye spot from the inclusion of that prothio at T1, and we're missing that.
1: Although many of the ones I've looked at, because often I've been called to look at crops, actually because there's been quite a significant spend, and then they're not happy with the result. And we're finding eye spot there. So there's clearly quite strong environmental drivers at play here as well. Um so, yeah, I mean, I just suggest people keep an eye on it and never just ignore a disappointing yield. I mean, that thing of burrowing down and actually looking at the end of the season, albeit it's retrospective for that crop. If you start to feel that eye spots becoming a real issue on a farm, then you probably do start to factor in a bit more chemistry to try and manage it. it
0: definitely. That sounds like it's something people should just be keeping an eye out over the next couple mm-hmm. of years and see how it changes or develops. So for a T1 timing, how would you decide if you were going to put a T1 on or not?
1: Varietal resistance being the absolute piece here. Um, Weather yeah, pattern, I
2: mean, use potential. Ball. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... Uh... It's a tricky one, but we're actually growing a really good raft of spring barleys at the moment. You know, the, the breeders have served Scotland exceptionally well. We have some really good material out there. When you, when you compare it to some of the varieties that we've been growing in the past, you know, it's a really strong raft of varieties that we have. And, you know, you, the likes of Laureate uh, it's pretty robust and wrinkled. It's not infallible. And uh, mm-hmm. again, I would put a warning out that we, we are seeing more wrinkle out there. But again, last year, it dried up and it didn't turn into a, a significant outbreak. But there is warnings there that we take it lightly at our peril. Uh, but it does allow the very realistic option of not putting on a fungicide at T0, which is probably just as well, given that what we can potentially be spending at T2.
1: Mm-hmm. yes we'll get on to that no i think it's the classic decision if you've had um lots of experience of getting very clean crops that grow very rapidly um and you don't see wrinkle often on the farm there's there is absolutely potential to not do that t1 spray if on the other hand you're early drilled so slow growing and you're you know in a very wet region our trials um near lanark being the classic where we often get wrinkled. That's why we put the trials there. Um, so that idea that you just suit what you're choosing to the risk and to your experience of a site is really important.
2: Fiona, can I just ask, in that situation, are you seeing segregation between the the T1s, you know, a, a straight Prithio Arizona as compared to a, an Ascron and a Lattice Arizona? Are you seeing a step up in control or is the key to use something prothio containing in that situation. Yeah.
1: So the difference is really whether you've done anything or you've done nothing, rather than any particular differentiation between the timings, uh, between the products at that timing, Adam.
2: Yeah. That that would certainly reflect our experience. There's not a massive reward for bringing out the big guns at T one. It's the choices: do something or do nothing. Whereas T yeah. two, there is a genuine choice the need to make a decision of how yeah. how hard you want to go
1: yeah so i would definitely be using as little and as cheap as possible at that t1 timing in in spring barley which is really very much about insurance it's it's not going to be hugely responsive and but if you lose the crop early as we discussed for the winter crop if you lose those side tillers um you you've kind of limited the yield potential before you get going
0: so, having limited how much you spend on the T one timing, are we maximising what we spend on the T two timing, Adam?
2: <laughs> An awful lot of growers will these days will not put a T zero T one on, rather, and their T two will be Prithio fall pit. And last year, they may well have produced some of their best ever yields. Uh, equally, that you know, th- there is an element of risk and we have seen benefits to stepping up to the the neoscaras of this world. And two years ago, there was a clear benefit to investing more and going to Revistar, which is, is the nearest to covering all the bases on spring barley. So, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't advocate do nothing I, if it was a dry year, I would probably be happy with Prithio. But we've also got to look at the cost that's been invested to get the crop to that stage and what the crop's worth, what your selling price is. And I think that will you know, have an influence on the decision and whether you want to invest more. It's You're basically paying for better insurance cover because when we make that decision, we can give a best guess of what's going to happen, but none of us actually know. So, you know, again, how close to the edge of the cliff do you want to stand?
1: And we know that the spring barley crop is more at risk from ramularia than the the winter crop. Just the the timing um, of when it's, you know, going through that flowering at-risk period makes it more vulnerable. Um, So, yeah, technically... um, That Revistar mix the Mefen trifluconazole azole is is the strongest, um, but it comes at an extra cost. So it's not going to be an across-the-board solution. And again, that the kind of debate around adding in fulpit, which in addition to other strong chemistry, can help sort of de-risk that ramelaria. Again how that carries through to yield is a little more variable in trials. So I think Adam puts it nicely, this is about buying insurance um, and then targeting your sort of premium insurance to your your high potential crops that are aiming at the at the malting um, premium probably. Um, and you could be much more relaxed about perhaps some of the feed crops
2: we could only yearn for the days when chlorothalonil was available that was cheap as chips and they, as soon as you applied it at t2 to, it took Ramuleri out of the equation you know it it has got more difficult it has got more complicated but it's 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 not impossible it's just a, a different challenge
0: so I'm getting the feeling that producers are going to have to think about their spray programs across all of the crops in advance um, and have a bit of a plan in mind for the season. What would your three top tips be, Fiona, um, for a producer?
1: Yeah, to plan in advance the kind of principles of your program, but then number two, to sort of keep monitoring both your own crops and then keeping an eye on what's happening you know in the in the technical press and so on so that you can modify your plan to what you're actually seeing and then always having that resistance risk hat on as well so picking out those mix and alternate and use your low risk products where you can so that's kind of three and a half tips
0: and adam what about your three tips
2: I mean, I would certainly echo what uh, Fiona said. She's definitely stolen the best ones there. But, I mean, I, w- I would say to all growers, know your crops. Get out amongst it. Get your wellies on and see what's going on in the crop. I mean, I often find if, if you're tight for time, even going out into the crop and going to where drills have doubled or where, you know, there's a thicker patch, and just dive into that and see what's happening there. That will be the harbinger of uh, where disease problems are building. Be aware of supply issues and, uh, I mean, that that's something that's different for different growers, you know, depending on, you know, how your cash flow is. Some guys, you know, some growers just simply don't have the option of bringing all their chemistry home now. Uh, but be aware that, you know, your product may not be, you know, victim to a shortage, but if another product is suddenly short in the market, that puts pressure elsewhere. So just be aware of that. And the last thing I would say is the days of looking at disease in isolation and expecting all the answers to come out of a chemical store are unfortunately behind us. And you need to start thinking about uh, disease control when you choose your variety and when you choose to put it in the ground, because that will have a, a major effect on what follows.
0: So can we just have a short summary of spring barley? Fiona, do you want to begin?
1: So definitely scope to really think about whether you need a T1 at all, um, potential to omit that if you're on a low risk site with a rapidly advancing crop. But if you do want to manage it, it's something little and light. Um, so you might be doing a prothioconazole base, maybe with full pit or a low dose of a Prothio S D H I something fairly light just to get you through to that really crucial booting stage.
2: Yeah, I, I would echo that, and then T two, I would. Uh, I think you've scalable responses from again a, re- a repeat of Prothio and Falpit, uh, and then if you've invested more and more at risk, either a lattice or Ascara, or if you want to bring out the big guns you would go to Revistar, which would cover the multitude of bases. And I would always, as a matter of course, have Fulpit in there as well.
0: That's definitely great advice. Thank you, both Fiona and Adam, for joining me today. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Bye now.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And a big thank you to our speakers, Fiona and Adam for sharing their knowledge please subscribe and follow our podcast and why not try listening to one of our other podcasts have you tried listening to the fortnightly show Rural Roundup which takes you through the latest news and information and events available through the Farm Advisory Service you will also hear the latest news from myself joined by Robert Ramsey and George Chalmers
2: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in
0: association with the Scottish Government.